Well, hello, how's it, and welcome. This is the Addiction and Recovery Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm an addict. Well, I've decided that I'm putting together this podcast just to reach out to all the addicts out there, be you using or recovering, and hopefully that we'll be able to combine as a community to help each other stay clean or get clean. Me personally, I am a recovering addict of 37 years, and I've had around about 46 years of addiction in my life, uh, of which eight of the years were active and the 37 years of clean time. And for me, I just like to reach out and give people the hope and the realization that this disease of addiction can be dealt with if we choose. So with that in mind, I thought, okay, let me put a podcast together, reach out to all the other addicts out there, and I need your help doing this. I need to have your voices, I need to have your messages, I need your ideas of what we can do during this podcast. I just want to make this an open podcast for us to be able to communicate over and above our fellowship meetings. going to be the first of many podcasts that I intend to produce and really what I'm trying to do is to put together a whole lot of subjects that we as addicts would like to listen to hence we'd love some stories from everybody we'd like questions coming from people and also I need some help in answering those so I will also need some messages from you all to say this is the answer to that question you had on the last podcast I would love that that would be fantastic so This podcast is really not about who I am. It's about who we are as addicts. In this journey of podcasts, um, I've got a few ideas. And if you've got some ideas, I would love that too. Um, My ideas, and, and, and these are some of the things I've put together. Yes, I'd like to have a thought for the week or the day, depending on how many of these we actually do. Um... I'd like to hear short stories of the journey to recovery. Um, You know, just to to make sure that we all know that it is absolutely possible and there are some of us who are living that possibility. I'm living it just for today. Even though I've got 37 years clean, I am just living my, my recovery just for today. So I call recovery. People say, well, why are you a recovering addict? For me, Um, I put it in the same context as a lot of things. And one of the things I always put it to is I like realizing that, well, not I like, I know, that this is a disease, uh, the disease of addiction. And in that disease of addiction, I am in what I see in remission. I have chosen to be in remission. I, today, uh, am clean. I am in remission of my active addiction but I still have the disease. So every day I'm working on it. And that's why I need many other people to help me stay clean every day, just to remind me where I was at and to show me the way forward. One of the other uh, subjects I'd love to touch on while we do these podcasts is the subject of understanding addiction. Now, this is what I do uh, outside doing podcasts and everything else and running families and all those good things. I also go and do school talks around the country 
and I run three talks and I have really gone out to help students and adults understand what addiction is. So it's an interesting thing because People don't fully understand what it is, and I know when I was young, I never understood what addiction was. I just did what I did, and I, I, I started taking what, smoking, and then taking marijuana, and then it led on to speed, and then on to cocaine, and then on to heroin. And all the time I was in such denial that I had a problem, but I was just having a good time, which I will admit I was at the time until it took over me. And so from that, in that period of time, I've wanted to understand more about my addiction in my recovery. And now for 37 years, I've got so much personal knowledge that has kept me alive that I want to share. I want to share with us to as many people as possible. And so hence why I do the school talks, hence why I want to do this podcast. I want to do it because I want more people to understand what addiction is and more people to understand what you're, what, what, what we're playing with as far as when we start opening those doors into active uh, or uh, addictive activities, call it. So that's going to be one of the other subjects I want to get into. The big thing for me personally, I love hearing um, experiences, strengths and hopes on people's shares and recovering addicts. Um, whether they're a day into recovery or not into recovery or in many years of recovery or weeks, uh, I just, I just want to be able to hear those stories. They, they're the things that keep me going. They're the things that I realise that I'm not alone, and that all the funny behaviours that I had, the funny and, and insane behaviours that I had, are actually, you know, they're not okay. But I'm not alone in what I did, and it's really, really reassuring sometimes to hear those stories. So let's go back. I've got a, a WhatsApp that. Uh, I want to open for you to send me messages that I can put into my next podcast, whether you send it by written or audio. Uh, I just want to hear them. And, and, and if you've got those questions, bring them out and I'll put it out into my next, uh, my next podcast and see what other answers we get back apart from my own. And I want to make it very, very clear that whatever happens in this process, there is going to be absolute anonymity. And... I'm not going to say uh, surnames or anything like that. And I just want you to be free and comfortable in asking questions without feeling that you are giving away who you are if you don't want to. The other thing I want to do is I want to bring in guests uh, who are also uh, on, the, on the addiction road, so to speak, whether they are psychologists, actually. I find them very interesting in their perception of addiction. I also want to speak to doctors, and I also want to speak to, of course, other addicts who are working every day uh, on, on recovery. So those are my ideas, and, you know, I, 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 I think that probably the best way to initially start any podcast, and this is just the introduction podcast, is to really tell you who I am. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to run uh, my story, which I had recorded some time ago, uh, for you to listen to. And then after that, um, we'll come back and we'll have a chat a bit more. Okay, so here it is. This is my story. Addiction is one thing that its deception was so incredible that you think you're going to get away with it. 
and the denial element that comes in is part of that mixture of deception. And I always call it the line of addiction because we can have, be having a heck of a good time here. And slowly, while you're having what you think is a great time, the addiction line slowly passes under you and the next thing, you are in it. But because of the deception, you don't see it. So you're just in denial, saying, no, I don't have a problem. I was like that, I didn't have a problem. But I was using every day, but I didn't have a problem. I was out in the streets and I didn't have a problem. They had a problem, they were worse, not me. I wasn't that bad. And it wasn't till I was involved with somebody who died from overdose that I realized maybe there is something bad here, maybe. And when somebody else pointed out to me, do you do this, do you do this, do you do this? And I said, yeah, so what? So what, is that normal? But normal for me that day was sick. Uh, my father, who was uh, in the city, never uh, really um, was involved. He would leave early in the morning, come back late at night. So I, I didn't see much of him, but he was somebody I really respected for who he was and what he had achieved, and he had done very well. And so had my family uh, overall, had all done very well, and then there was me. And I, um, at school, did not do well. I um, did it appallingly. I, I had dyslexia, which people didn't really understand at that point in time. And um, I wouldn't have liked myself uh, because I was a wet. I didn't have any strength. And that's a lot to do with my upbringing. Then I was sent to uh, a special school, which was down to sort of uh, 20 students. It was meant to specialize in uh, education improvement for dyslexia. Uh, and that's when a few things started to happen as far as adults' interference in my life. And one was I was sexually abused by two separate teachers. Um, I had no idea there was, it was wrong. It, it was, for me, age seven, it was just, uh, I don't know, I just maybe saw it as love. I was, it was extraordinary. And then um, we, ha we had a very sadistic headmaster who enjoyed beating the boys for any chance and any reason that he had. And the beatings were, uh, he would bring you into his room and you'd, he'd open up his cupboard and he said, choose the shoe that you want. And uh, you would choose the shoe, usually the tacky, the gym shoe. And you've got to realize that he was six foot and a half, six and a half foot, which is tall for a seven-year-old. He'd take that, bend you over, and hit you. And all of this sort of thing slowly took me out. With everything that had happened to me in the past, I had really started to rebel against life. Um, and with that, I smoked at school. It was part of being part of the right team, right guys. Um, it was exciting. Uh, we used to go out into the forests and have hoodies up and, and rush into the forest and sit there and smoke and 
it was, it was, I was part of something and it felt good. Um, and I wasn't the goody-goody. Uh, I enjoyed that rebel bit of it. And my behavior had come about. And obviously with all that sort of stuff, I wasn't being totally honest either. So uh, in the end, I, I left the school. Uh, I definitely had a stronger belief in myself, whatever that might have been. Academically, I did terribly. I didn't pass anything of any subset. I got O-levels, sure. But uh, even that, they weren't great passes. So my next adventure was to go to Australia, which I went to for a year on a voluntary services. And um, I ended up on a cattle and sheep station. And uh, that was amazing. That was really good fun. I mean, that again was the... I suppose I was looking for the sort of butch look of being a jackaroo. It was cowboy on horses and Marlboro men and things like that. And that's, that's what I was looking for, you know, and it was really cool and motorbikes. And uh, that was very cool. And of course there I learned how to drink. And we drank a lot. Uh, because there's not a lot else you can do there. And uh, anyway, I came back. And I got into uh, the audiovisual industry. And from that, uh, I uh, found my talent. And it was a, a God-given gift, uh, which was basically sound. And I got into the recording studios in London, and it was fantastic. And of course, by being in the recording studios and in the, what is now the film industry, there were a lot of drugs around. And I got introduced to uh, marijuana, and then speed, and then cocaine. And uh, it was all being part of this thing of being part of a group of people that just look cool. And that's really what I was after more than anything else. Never in my life did I think that I would end up where I did. I was just having fun. And uh, anyway, so time moved on and uh, slowly with the progression of all this was uh, the cocaine and the marijuana wasn't enough. And I got introduced to heroin, which I was very scared of. It was the big H. And I thought, I'm not going to touch that. And then just one night, uh, a friend of mine said, I'm off to score. Uh, would you want to come with? So I came in and I walked into this room and there were all these guys. And they were the heavies. They were the heavies of thing. And I thought, this is, this is cool. This is, this is where I want to be. I was really rebelling against society, my family, everything. And uh, I, took a, I took a toot at that time. I chased the dragon on, on uh, some heroin I was given. And I felt incredible. And then I promptly went and vomited. Uh, and, and I thought, oh, well, I won't do that again. Needless to say, six months later, I got into it again. And then it all sort of became quite a thing with friends. Uh, we used to do it on a Saturday night. And uh, that was cool, it was all great. And then it became Friday and Saturday night. And uh, that was okay. That was okay. And then, then it became every other night. And then every night. Uh, but that was okay. You know, for me, that, that, there was nothing wrong. But uh, I was changing. I was changing as a person. I was losing weight. 
I was being incredibly dishonest. My behavior and my irrationality and my anger was just getting greater. Uh, my survival modes were kicking in of how to survive to make sure that I got what I needed as far as drugs were concerned. And so I just, um, I just literally would prepare my day of knowing how I was going to get the money, how I was going to score, where I was going to score, and making sure that I could. And my life was surrounded by um, getting and using. And that is really what happened. And when I couldn't get that, I would get drunk. And uh, this went on for quite a few years. Um, I was spending all my money until I had literally nothing. My family had no idea what was going on. My father's position didn't really... I think they were all in denial more than anything else, as I was. I was in complete denial that I had a problem. And yet I was using every day. And I also lost my job uh, in, the sound, in the sound studios. Um, I would try to do freelancing. Uh, and I just had some people who just were good to me and just kept me going as far as the job was concerned, but that didn't last. And then in the end, I was out. Um, and I ended up in all-night cinemas in Leicester Square with all the other addicts and, and uh, alcoholics, tramps. And I thought they were really bad because I'd sit in the cinema and look at them and go, God, they're bad, because they had all the the usual really cheap wine and everything, and they were badly dressed. And, and this is what was going through, and I was judging them and comparing myself to them and making myself feel better over them. And yet I was leaving the cinema every, towards the end, every half hour, just to use and feel normal. So that's where it got to. I was literally in the gutter. And I was using, um, anything and everything, and I was stealing to... I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't care what I did to everybody around me. I didn't care what I did to the people who I was stealing from. It was all about me. It was all about my addiction, and that was it. My family had uh, clearly didn't want me to be around because I was not nice. And... Uh, and by the grace of God, I was introduced to the 12-step program, which I laughed at initially because I couldn't work out why on earth you'd want to have a higher power because I, I didn't believe in God. And uh, as I was told, it didn't matter. You just had to have something bigger than you. And Well, the biggest thing in me was me. And so far, I had done a pretty bad job of, my, of me. So I uh, went to rehab and I got myself in and I thought I'd just go in there and clean out. I just wanted to try and stop. I'd tried to stop on my own before and I couldn't. I might have stopped for three months and had a huge celebration and thought I'd just do it once. And once wasn't enough and then I had again and again and I was back to where I was. In fact, worse than where I was from when I tried to stop the first time. It was just harder and harder to stop. And I was in the rehab for three months and it was a nightmare. But there was one day where I was in absolute agony from withdrawals. And <clears throat> I hadn't slept for 10 days. I was exhausted and I was in physical pain and I'd had enough. And I was weak. 
and uh, they had a, a small theatre off the rehab, which used to be an old chapel. And I just wanted to go in there and, and uh, sit for a while. And I did. And uh, having gone in there on my own, it was like a relief in some aspects just to take time out from the program that I was on in the, in the rehab, which was quite aggressive. And I sat there silently and, and, I, and I just sat there and I just said, how on earth did I get here? And then I, I just got on my knees because I didn't know anything else to do. I just got on my knees and I sat there for a while on my knees. And then I finally said, well, who are you? Because if you're there, please just help me. Just take this, whatever it is. And I remember saying that. I remember saying that very clearly. And after a while, I got up and I left. And uh, I went and carried on with the rehab. But from that day onwards, something very extraordinary happened that I know happened because it's, it's affected me for the rest of my life. That moment, God allowed me to sleep for an hour. And that was like having a whole night's sleep. And then it turned into two hours, then it turned into three, and then four. Four was enough. Four was right enough for me from not having anything. And the most incredible thing was my craving had left. I never had, to this day, from that moment, another craving. It had gone. However, I still had addiction, and I knew that. So I left <clears throat> the rehab, and uh, I learned about the 12-step program. And in the, in the rehab, and, and I knew that I had a higher power. I got into a higher power, and it was something bigger than me. And I said, well, if it's God, it's God, so it must be something bigger than me. And I didn't really understand God. But I worked on the higher power for a long, long time, and I worked on the steps. I did 90 meetings in 90 days. Best thing I ever did. Best thing I ever did. Today, no problem, because I, I have that relationship with Jesus. And, and that is what's changed my life. My higher power also changed my life, because it was Jesus all the time. But I had to find out who my higher power was. And in that process, he revealed himself to me. But I understand that I just, anybody thinking, oh, I don't want to be part of that. You don't have to be part of that. What you do have to be a part of is a program that is proven in helping addicts find the bridge to normality in life and away from active addiction. And the 12-step program of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Sex addicts, you name it, they all are working and they are all over the world. Then suddenly an opportunity to leave the meeting, leave England and come to South Africa. And uh, I arrived in South Africa and there was no meetings. And uh, I actually arrived in 1982 and I went to meetings. I went to the AA meetings and they were fantastic. I had my first birthday in a meeting in Johannesburg. 
and it was fantastic and everybody loved it, but the one thing they said, please don't bring up drugs. Uh, we deal with alcohol here. So this became a little bit of a problem and to the point they suggested that I started my own meeting. So uh, Narcotics Anonymous started in South Africa in a treatment center in the, in the uh, north of Joburg and it had to be in a treatment center. Uh, it wasn't allowed to be uh, autonomous because in those days legislation said in South Africa two or more addicts meeting together is illegal. So I met in the, we got the treatment center and it worked and it grew. Um, and I was going to those meetings every day. And uh, my strength in that grew and grew and grew. But the biggest thing that really helped me was helping others. Uh, because by helping others I could see myself and reminding me who I was. Because I didn't want to go back there again. And the other thing about the 12-step program was that I began to understand what my addiction was. And uh, I married and uh, had a fantastic, I was very much in love with my first wife, but I was traveling a lot and unfortunately she left me for somebody else, which was really tough. And uh, it takes two to, to stuff up a marriage and I think my behavior I hadn't dealt with him properly and I had a terrible anger and yeah I think if I was married to me I would probably have left me for somebody else so I carried on and uh, I was running my film company which I had started a company in South Africa and uh, it was a lot of pressure and then I had a heart attack and during that heart attack I was offered morphine I actually didn't know I was given morphine because I was almost in a coma. But when I came around, I recognized the feeling and it was terrifying because I knew I liked it. I knew I liked it. And while in ICU, um, in the second day, the nurse came up and said, would you like a painkiller? Because I was in pain, I said, yes, I would. And uh, when they gave it to me, I realized again, this was pethidine. And I was, I so knew that feeling and it was good. But it was terrifying because I did not want to go back there. And I had to make a decision there whether I was going to just lie in hospital and be fed on pethidine or whether I needed to actually just deal with my addiction. I got tested. And only by the strength of my recovery and the fellowship and the meetings I was able to say no. And my other addiction, which I didn't realize until I got onto the recovery course and started running it, was the one course which was the starters. We had groups and we had to put a sex addicts group together and we had to put them in their own group initially and somebody had to run it. And so timidly I went in and run that group in the recovery course and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And, and I found this with all the groups in the recovery course, not only the stories that are told on the videos before you start, but it was just the, the sincerity of Nigel giving his talks on the videos were just enlightening and Jesus-driven.
And uh, so I sat in this sex addicts group looking at all the guys and saying so. And it was mind-blowing, the honesty that came out. And it was really, really, really deep honesty about addiction of, of, this, of uh, their sex addiction. I realized I had a problem when after the second week running, I'm sitting there going, so what's wrong with that? And, um, and it was bad. And I then began to realize a lot of my behavior and value for women was not true. It was based on sex rather than a true love relationship. And I thought sex was love as I knew it because I'd never really learned about what love was. And so that group was mind-blowing. I had gained so much from realizing that my addiction wasn't just alcohol and drugs and uh, gambling. It was sex. I, I know that... Um, if anybody said you must go to church and meet Jesus to recover, I would have run. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I had an allergic reaction to Christian people. Um, I didn't like them. They were too good, or they were too smiley, or they were too unrealistic, and they didn't understand life. That's what I thought. And so if anybody had come to me and said, right, you're coming to a recovery course and it's in a church, I would have been very, very suspicious. Yeah, I, I would be totally understanding of why people wouldn't want to come to a recovery course because it's Jesus, it's, it, they think it's Jesus. It's a Christian-based program which you can choose to use Jesus if you want, otherwise you're higher power. And it's, it's amazing. It really is the most amazing program I have ever had in my life. And I just know that if everybody got onto the 12-step program, it would be a better world. And that is what the recovery course has based itself on, is strength, hope, uh, and your experience. And my experience with the 12-step program and the recovery course is I'm seeing lives change. So there we are. And um, please feel free to ask any questions about that. Uh, I'd be delighted to answer them in, in that journey. So, as I sum up this first podcast, um, I just really wanted to introduce myself, introduce the podcast as an as a addiction recovery podcast for everybody and anybody to join in and listen, and anybody and anybody to ask questions or put in their own story. I would love to hear from you. The point of the whole thing is that I would like us to remain together and have the ability to listen to the stories of addiction and, and, and just be able to be free uh, from this grip of, of secrecy that we seem to live in or, or used to live in. I don't anymore. I'm free. I'm very open about my addiction and it has freed me. There are many things we're going to talk about. I have a recovery course that I want to run on this and we will do that weekly. Uh, and it's an amazing course that's come in from London and it works with the 12-step program and teaches us the 12-step program of where it came from and also from, uh, from a basis that it works with the, uh, with the elements of each step, week by week, that we can learn how to use the steps. So with that, I'm going to sign off and I really look forward to doing my next one and hearing your response. Um, so listen, God bless and... Keep it clean.
WhatsApp Chris on 076 464 2098.